Because I can control the weather, they call me Storm. Welcome to This Week in Nerd News, your one-stop shop for all of the pop culture you may have missed this week. Brought to you by the Black Nerd Problems Broadcasting Network. I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. I'm your other host, Keith Weekly. So, I wanted to start off with, imagine that, food! Woohoo! Anyway, so this week, one of my favorite things that I purchased, um, it's been out for a while, but I purchased it this week, is Parsley, Sage, Rosemary, and Quarantine Recipe Comics for Social Distancing. And it is exactly what it sounds like. It is a recipe book, but in comic form, presented by a bunch of your favorite comic artists. Um, And they each kind of get their own page to draw out a recipe that is something that they enjoy eating or making or both, I'm assuming. Um, And I really, really like this, and it's perfect for this time for a variety of reasons. Number one, because that's the title, right? It was specifically made for quarantine, but it takes into account kind of where your mental state might be during quarantine. So the recipes range from things that are fairly time intensive, like Um, black beans and rice, which if you do from dry beans, that can be a whole day, right? All the way to here's how to dress up canned vegetables. So I really appreciate that it's like no matter where you are in your quarantine journey, there is something that is like, that's the amount of effort I can put in today. And I really like the comic form. Uh, I cook all of the time and now I just think that all recipes should be so much easier to understand and they're just funny and I think that all cookbooks should be this way from now on. Um, I also appreciate the range of um, artists that are in, not just for the different styles that you get, every page is a different style because obviously it's by a different artist, but also the range of flavors right? So everybody is a little bit different and there's such a diverse author list that you get all sorts of, there's like a satay recipe and chili and like I said, black beans and rice and there's vegan options and gluten-free options and all sorts of different things. So I'm really excited about that. And the other thing that's really cool about it for me is that it is donation. They They are suggesting a $5 donation, but it is donations and all of the proceeds because of the type of project that this is are going directly to the artist to help them in this quarantine time where they may or may not be getting as much work as they did before, right? Um, And I also appreciate that there's a potential for other crafts since it is in quarantine time. You get it off of Gumroad, which if you haven't checked out Gumroad, you should do that because they have lots of other cool stuff as well. But you get it off of Gunroad in PDF form, so I printed mine out, and I'm totally going to attempt to bind it this week into, like, its own little nice recipe book, so I'm super excited. I don't know how you feel about food, Keith, but I like food. <laughs> I think we all do. That's one of the few universal things in the world that bring us all together. 
All right, and with that, we're going to pivot and go towards some movie news. It was announced this week that Disney is continuing the live-action remake trend of their past films of the 90s glory days, and the next one up to be remade is Hercules. And even better, the Russo brothers are in line to produce this film, and the Russo brothers, as of, like, 2015, can do no wrong, because I just watched Extraction, so I'm really high on them right now, that's a great movie, and they did that, too. So, I think I'm really excited about this, because Hercules is probably, like, in my top five Disney movies for a variety of reasons, one of them being that's one of the best soundtracks I can think of, like, they're four or five songs there that I still know word for word, like, I still actually play... I can't say, I won't say it, but I'm in love just casually on the weekends when I'm like around the house and cooking and stuff. I love that movie, right? And this is interesting because the Mulan film got pushed back, which makes you think they will kind of put everything on hold. But they said, nah, we're full speed ahead and everything. We're going to keep this whole thing going. And this is our next one. And I think this is going to be a fan favorite because everyone loves Hercules for a variety of reasons. And this is going to be really interesting seeing who they cast. And with that being said, Disney, every single one of the music should be a black woman. That was one of the best things about the animated movie. Let's keep that train going. Keep it amazing. If you want to, even bring back the women who voice act, who were the voice actors for the characters before because they killed that and they're probably still amazing. Just keep that in mind. I'm really curious about this because we haven't quite seen Mulan yet, but we've seen the direction they tried to take with it. And they sort of toned down the Disneyfication of that story and added more... I wouldn't say historical accuracy because there is like a witch and stuff like that, but they've added more of a serious tone to it. And if you know anything about the Hercules original story, there's a lot of twisted dark stuff going on there, as with most Greek mythology, that they completely left out of the story that sent me down a deep dark rabbit hole once I got to college and found all this stuff out for myself. So this could be an opportunity for them to add more of that seriousness and have Hercules doing all these crazy things and the trials and his more of his backstory coming in front and everything and all that. But all around, it's something I'm really excited for. What about you, Victoria? you have any thoughts on this? Um, I'm super excited for this as well. Uh, I don't know if it's just because I grew up in the middle of nowhere in Iowa, so like Hercules wasn't a thing, but I always thought that it was super underrated. Like I loved it and all my friends were like, yeah, I guess. Um, so I'm super excited that it made the remake list. Um, I agree about the muses being black, like that was amazing. Um, my mom was also super into theater, so I think I like watched Little Shop of Horrors around the same time, which is weird, I know. But that kind of like style of movie where you have like the three black kind of backup singers coming in and just telling the tea and like so. <laughs> Dramatic irony here. Mm, this is what's going on and this is a really stupid thing that they're gonna do but they're gonna do it anyway like I love that style of storytelling um, I'm gonna fan cast I think that they should bring in Yvette Nicole Brown as one of the muses I think she would be amazing um, <sighs> Disney fied plot versus more historical accuracy which again is like it's a myth, right? So, <laughs> historical accuracy, eh. But, I don't... I, I'm completely split on this because I am a historian and so I love history and I love myths and legends and I actually, my concentration um, for my master's is religious studies so this is kind of right up my alley. But also I don't want them to like just completely de 
take out all of the, the musicalness of it and everything like that, the way that they seemingly did with Mulan, um, that made me so upset. And I get maybe trying to age up with your audience and like we're going to present a more adult version now. But I don't know. I think it would be kind of cool for them to, to keep it in that fantastical realm. So, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, and honestly, they could bring Danny DeVito back to play Phil because that was perfect casting all around. <laughs> like, just give him horns. He's totally yes. fine. That works. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Am I the only person that thought that Meg was black this entire time? I mean, I thought that she was Greek, which means that she could be any number of skin tones. I think I just assume, and kind of from the the way that the animation was, I kind of assumed that they were all like basically Phoenician, or like oh I can't th- the the Persian like reliefs that you have that just have like circles all in a row for their hair, like I was like oh that's okay, <laughs> this is what this person is, but yeah I could totally she's definitely got that personality. That is not a, a typical white Disney princess. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. And that's why, like, as a kid, when I didn't know any better, I thought, hey, brown skin, she's like me. I just kind of carried that all the way into adulthood. When I did, went back and watched the movie, I'm like, wait, that wouldn't make any sense. Uh, okay, I'm probably a bit wrong there, but this could be an opportunity for redemption on my part when I'm not wrong anymore. But also, if we're going into things that don't make sense, why was Hercules blonde and blue-eyed? Because that makes no sense for Greece. Like, Not what was all. going on there? That's a great point indeed, actually. Ooh. So, yeah, I do think it is a good chance for them to kind of like, mm, if we're going to go more accurate, let's actually hire Greek actors. All right, with that, I'm going to take a quick break, folks. We'll be right back. So, this episode of This Week in Nerd News is sponsored by Wiretap, the Chrome extension that makes Netflix social. It's live tweeting made for your Netflix life. See thoughtful commentary and theories from Netflix bloggers and superfans, and never watch your favorite movie or series alone. Whether you want to engage with others or be a fly on the wall to scroll through the latest fan theories, Wiretap makes Netflix communication easy right from your Chrome browser. Go to wiretap.co or search wiretap in the Chrome store and join the future of streaming. That's wiretap.co. As a bonus, many of your favorite writers from Black Nerd Problems, including us at This Week at Nerd News, are going to be using this service. So over the next two weeks, from April 11th to April 25th, Mikkel, Keith, and I will be watching and commenting on Season 1 of Haikyuu. So we have been talking about this for a while. We've been wanting to do a group binge of this volleyball anime for forever. And now you can watch along with us. So add the Wiretap Chrome extension to join the conversation. So let's jump back in with a very similar topic, but in the video game sphere. So Assassin's Creed Valhalla was... Uh, announced and it is scheduled for holiday 2020 release 
We'll see if that still happens. I'm guessing it probably will. I love Assassin's Creed. I love the entire series. I love all of them. I'm very sad that I don't have them right now. I have gone back and forth in my life having them and not having them and having them and not having them and I finally have a console again now so Assassin's Creed is in my future. Uh, Valhalla looks amazing but there are so many other continents. The fact that we are back to Europe kind of makes me a little bit sad. Um I love the storytelling that Ubisoft has worked so hard on. I love this world that they've created. I think that the game mechanics and the animation are absolutely spectacular, and I would love to see them in a long-form game with the same depth and, and respect that they show to all of the titles that they've done. I would love to see them attack something else that's maybe a little bit higher on the melanin scale. I don't want to knock anything that they've done because, again, I love everything that they've done. But when we went to Egypt, we had a light-skinned brother, right? We had other characters who were dark-skinned, but your main character was still fairly light-skinned when they decided that they actually were going to go and do Asia and they did chronicles with India and China they were like sub-releases they weren't full-length games and also trying to just I'm going to do China the entire country of China in one little itty bitty game like that's not giving the same the same respect I think as they did with Ezio Adatore or any of the other characters or any of the other places that they've gone, right? So I would love to see them maybe revisit some of those chronicles or something new. There are so many different kingdoms in Africa that they could do, right? So many different kingdoms and, and spaces in all of Asia that they could do. And I would love to see them do that. And I think that while I respect that they seem to be trying not to tell other people's stories, I think that the best remedy for that is to hire the other people so that then you can tell those stories. And like you said, there are so many more stories you can tell. Like they can make an entire game franchise just about China alone, not even the rest of Asia, when it comes to historical context and class warfare and assassins aren't monopolized in Europe. That just doesn't make any sense to me, honestly. It's just kind of ridiculous. I mean, you can even go to South America and tell some stories there and stuff or like right? indigenous North America. Like, there are plenty of things you could do there for sure. It's just they need to be willing to do so. The thing is, like, I don't know if the idea is that they don't know if their audience can relate to these characters because I don't think that's really the case anymore. We've seen people use, we've seen properties that depict people of different backgrounds and ethnicities do very, very well. And this isn't to say that the storylines that they're going with aren't going to be good. They're probably going to be great because that's just what they do. But it's even easier to be great if you tell a story that hasn't been told before that makes you stand out even more and be even more unique. Like, we just need more originality in this context and, like, stop playing it safe as such. So hopefully at some point in time, somebody just takes a chance and says, you know what, we're going to tell a story about, like, 
Assassin's Creed in like Maya, I mean, in ancient Maya or something like that, and just go from there. That would be really cool. Just like running up a pyramid and hitting people with like a bone dagger or something. That would be fun. Agreed. So, I mean, I'm hoping that like eventually they run out of stories in Europe (laughs) to have to be forced to go somewhere else. Agreed. Uh, That being said, I, I do understand going the kind of Viking route that's kind of been a thing the past couple of years. It looks good. You know, we we just got the God of War drop that was also kind of Nordic. It looks great. I think it will be incredibly fun. I'm definitely going to still support the franchise. But yeah, Ubisoft, go a little bit darker. You can do it. It's going to be great. All right, for our largest segment this week... There's a lot going on in the world right now, so you may not have noticed what's going on here. But there have been there's been a conflict bubbling in the background of Hollywood that could either have implications that come out to nothing ultimately, or could have lifelong lasting implications. So just some background information. Movie theaters are conceivably months away from returning their glory days of being filled on weekends during premieres due to long-term social distancing measures, and film studios are trying to find ways to still earn money, right? Like, you still want to put out movies and properties that people are paying to see. A lot of them have turned towards video on demand, also known as VOD. We've had movies like Harley Quinn come out on VOD, Bloodshot came out on VOD, like, it's a long list of them, actually. And actually, Disney Plus just announced that Artemis Files is going to come out on Disney Plus versus pushing it back into the list of theaters. But on the other hand, films like Fast and Furious 9 have been pushed back indefinitely until sometime next year. Same with Lou James Bond film, etc., etc. But we got to see how that all plays out. And the reason why is because Trolls War Tour, which is the sequel to the Trolls movie, just came out and made all the money. Like, I think it's actually the highest ever video on demand ever because it made as of the writing which came out earlier this week 95 million dollars exclusively from video on demand sales which is ridiculous with digital release right and the studios put an interesting position now because they're like okay do we want to sit on these films and risk not making money short term just to make a bunch long term or is it time for us to finally revolutionize the entire medium of how we do this and maybe simultaneously come out with digitally and in theaters when this all opens up or maybe you give theaters a month and then release movies digitally because as of things currently stand theaters pretty much have a 90 day exclusive on films you get 90 days of new theaters going to go digitally people watch when they want to and another more motivation for film theaters to do this is because I found this out myself when it comes to films being shown in theaters studios get about 80% of the profits from that Versus only 50% compared to films that are released in theaters. Now, can you make a lot more money total when it comes to theaters? Absolutely. You get more people, more showings. It's more of an event and everything, for sure. But if you actually get a hit, like with Trolls War Tour, that 80% of less money might be as much or more than the 50% you would have gotten from that global release in theaters. So that puts them in a tough spot. So with that development, the Universal announced that they're going to continue releasing movies digitally, including this movie with... Oh, I forgot his name. Um, Ariana Grande's boyfriend, Tommy Davidson. He had a movie actually that was coming out recently. They decided instead of holding that, releasing it digitally. And AMC, the biggest movie theater company in the world, got very upset about that because Universal CEO was just tossed out, you know, we might just release everything digitally. And AMC like, nah, that's not going to happen. So now AMC announced that they're no longer showing any Universal movies. Like, they mean literally none. They're not showing any Universal films for the foreseeable future. Which makes me think, that has to be a bluff. Because there's no way in the world they're going to turn down all this Fast and Furious 9 and Jurassic World 3 money and everything. 
But that does put us in an interesting situation as most other studios are kind of just sitting back and watching to see what happens with this because this could be a very huge shift in how we get our entertainment. Victoria, before I dive deeper into my speculations of what's going to actually happen, Victoria, do you have any thoughts on this? <laughs> um, I think that the general kind of issue of how are we going to consume our entertainment now is valid, right? Not just because of where we're at in this point, but because of how, if the government is smart, how they're going to phase back into normalcy, right? That's going to take a long time, and it's not going to be just one day everybody can go back to the theaters. There is going to be some transition time there. So I think that the idea of something where you have a shorter theater time or a simultaneous where depending on where you're at, you know, if you're in the middle of a big city and you want to see this film, you're going to get it digitally because that's a lot more risky to go to a theater than if you're where I'm from in Iowa where there's like 10 people total. So I, I think that that is definitely a conversation that needs to be had. I am not sure that the difference between 5 million and 10 million, which I'm sure there are much bigger differences than that. I'm just saying that once million is in the picture, maybe we shouldn't be quibbling over money. But that's just me. <laughs> Not to overhear you there. So my thinking here is, well, if this does go the route of Universal saying screw you to AMC saying screw you to Universal, one of these two can exist without the other. Now, there will be significant right? changes and significant hits and everything, but like AMC, is if you're not getting movies, the best you can do is just show old movies and hope people come to see those. Versus Universal, they now have an outlet to show people movies whenever they want to. Like this could, like you were hinting at, be a big solution to the consideration of access. Like people that can't get to movie theaters or there's like a 45-minute drive to the closest one or something like that. If you can just sit at home or go somewhere with Wi-Fi and just buy the movie yourself and watch it, that's going to completely change and revolutionize how we see movies. Especially like if people don't want to have to sit in long lines and go somewhere for a premiere for the next big movie that weekend. If we can all just go home Friday night and just watch it at midnight and tweet about it, people will love that, right? Like that's the future I can actually visualize happening in everything. But one thing I also want to do is throw out a caveat that Trolls War Tour is the first time this has happened. I feel like everyone's jumping the gun a bit here because we don't exactly know why. I doubt that it's because Trolls World Tour is like some revolutionary movie that's amazing. Personally, I think it's because people are stuck at home and parents want a distraction for their kids so they can leave them alone for a couple hours. So all of them just went ahead and just bought the movie because animated films that are good to make all the money for that reason because kids can watch the same thing over and over and over and over again so that's not an issue at all but same time we have films like bloodshot or harley quinn that had much different rollouts successes in their own rights but that we that's a totally different story those were also released digitally and another thing i want to point out here too is that studios if they decide to go the digital route will have a lot of growing pains in figuring out how to do it going back to harley quinn as an example when it first was made available for digital release, it was one of the top bought movies, but it dropped off immediately after a couple days. And then they say, you know what, instead of charging people 20 bucks for this film, we're going to switch to a rental now. 
and it was like one of the top rentals on iTunes as a result of that. Meanwhile, with Bloodshot, it's been out for like a month and a half, but last I checked, you still have to pay 20 bucks to watch that movie. No one's going to do that, and it's been nowhere on the charts. So I think people, a lot of studios are going to have to figure out, through trial and error, of course, what formula works best to get the most bang for their buck or what fans are willing to pay for, because I'm not going to watch Bloodshot until I can rent it for like four bucks, if then. And who knows when that's going to happen. But I did already rent Harley Quinn, haven't watched it yet, but I did get the cost of four bucks. So I mean, it's definitely because people have to figure out what this future may look like, but either way, my prediction is that this is going to be a big negotiating point for studios and theaters where instead of that 90-day window the theaters get, that might get shrunk to a month or maybe two months instead because studios don't need theaters as much anymore. And this is evidence of that. It's time for our lightning round. Folks, in case you're unfamiliar, we like to close out every episode of our show by going through brief headlines that we couldn't quite get to in the main chunk of our show, but we do feel you should know. We got a first look at the trailer for Lovecraft Country on HBO, and it's a series based on a book of the same name that's being executive produced by the likes of Jordan Peele, J.J. Abrams, and a few other people, and it essentially takes racism in the 1950s and turns it into supernatural literal monsters and stuff like that which is very cool and in the trailer alone i saw journey smollett i saw corny b vans i think i saw michael k williams and it's really cool right so we're going to see how that turns out now we actually get a look at the monsters and the setting and everything there um sony's marvel film universe now has its own name and it's horrible it's called the spumc which stands for Sony Pictures Universe of Marvel Characters. That's not going to stick. No one's ever calling it that. I just keep thinking of spew like in Harry Potter. It doesn't last. Next up, we have production of show favorite, One Day at a Time, has been paused due to COVID-19, like many other shows. But there is good news. Pop TV announced this week they'll be working on an animated special where the Alvarez family will talk about the upcoming election with their more conservative relatives through animated dream sequences, voiced by the original cast. So we expect that to come out sometime before November, but we're not entirely sure when. But the Alvarez has never gone for long. This is apparently the hardest show to take off the air. And lastly, we now have a title for the Space Jam sequel starring LeBron James and a few of the NBA players. It will be titled Space Jam, A New Legacy. It will eventually see the light of day, maybe at some point in time. It's not like they've been talking about this movie for the past 10 years. We'll get it one day, right? All right, folks. If you'd like to hear our thoughts on these or any other anything else in Nerd News, feel free to tweet us at Black Nerd Problems with the hashtag TWINN. Once again, that was This Week in Nerd News. Tune in next week for more pop culture news. I'm your host, Keith Reed Cleveland. And I'm your host, Victoria Bertine. Please like, comment, subscribe, and listen to the podcast because it only helps our show get out to even more people. Have a good week, folks. <laughs>